Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grombacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, the strong and powerful Brian North. Brian, are you ready to do this? I'm ready. I was born ready. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Excellent. Let's do this. Brian is the founder and CEO of North & Co. He began his real estate career in 2006 and then went on to found North & Co. I'm going to need qualification. I think it's either 2013, 2014, or 2015. 20, so the little clarification is good. <laughs> I acquired a not so good, not so well performing brokerage in 2014, but then rebranded that company to North and Co. December 2nd, 2015. Accuracy so two, is important. Two year new, 26 month new uh, venture. Nice. He's viewed as an industry influencer. He's been quoted in the Wall Street Journal and is a frequent speaker at industry events across the United States. Brian, we're excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why it is you do what you do. I love it, man. Personal life. Per- how personal do we want to go? This I'm just personal. kidding. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> no, man. Uh, you know what? Personal life, I think probably to offer a little context to uh, the people that we're sharing with this morning, uh, grew up in Southern California. Um, it, was a, it was a different upbringing. Uh, I went to 13 schools before I graduated high school. Uh, bounced around a lot all over Southern California. Ended up in Colorado. Uh, went to high school there and then went to Durango, Colorado for, uh, for a stint in college, Fort Lewis College in Durango. And then I waited on the owner of a Mercedes dealership who operated in Scottsdale, Arizona, and he offered me a job to sell cars. And then I ended up selling a car to a, a real estate wholesaler uh, in 2004, and I became his door knocker doing distressed asset acquisitions from like 2006 until 2010. Um, and so that was kind of my, and then I got into traditional real estate. Um, so that was kind of my, my background and then personal life, man, uh, as a 40 year old guy, I still like to surf, skateboard, snowboard, uh, listen to punk rock and hip hop music and hang out with my wife and kids. Uh, I got two little boys that are 10 and seven and, uh, we like, they like to do all of those things with me. So that's kind of the personal, personal, uh, kind of background, at least give some context. So as far as real estate's concerned, I've done a little bit of all of it in the last 10 years, especially in an Arizona market where we just got pounded uh, in a really bad way. So I've seen I've seen through a different set of lenses than most. Yeah. It's certainly been a dynamic place to do real estate. So Yeah. No, no. Um, so what was it that, that, that motivated you um, to start your own brokerage? Yeah. It was an accident, to be honest. I said – all the way up until acquisition of that old brokerage, I said I would never own a real estate brokerage. So it wasn't anything that was really by design. Um, it was by accident. Uh, it was the only brokerage that I had ever hung my license at uh, when I operated uh, and I operated at. So I really was pretty – I was an independent. I mean I kind of did whatever I wanted to do and the owner of that brokerage appreciated having me there from a production perspective and I love sharing with people just like this. So I grew a lot of the agents um, under that umbrella. He came to me and said, it's failing. You either want to go hang your license at another brokerage, do you want to start your own shop, or do you want to somehow make this thing happen? And um, I was like, if this, if we can make it good enough from an economic perspective, let's see what we can do to make this happen because I had a bunch of people there that I loved that I had brought along and I didn't want to abandon uh, ship, so to speak. So it really was an accident. I looked I looked at it and I just really it broke down. It's pretty simple. As I looked at a P&L and he was overstaffed and over levered on office space. Uh, and so it was one of those things where I could make a couple of small challenges and thought, 
with what I could do from a leadership perspective, we could make it a profitable endeavor. Uh, again, wasn't anything I ever really, it wasn't by design. It was a little by accident, but here we are. Got it. And now four, three, four, five years into it, um, technology is changing the industry. The, the, the market certainly recovered in, in Phoenix. What, what has made you successful? What has made you different? Uh, Muhammad Ali once said, float like a butterfly, <laughs> sting like a bee. Um, that is what has made us successful. What I mean is, it's rope-a-dope, man. I mean, this the last 10 years, 12 years in this location, this geographic spot, it's been the biggest boom-bust V market that I've ever seen in my life. Um, and so it really has been uh, a conscious attention on staying small and good. Right. Um, I think especially in the brokerage world, uh, it's about headcount. Let's just see how many agents we can get and charge fees um, and basically be a gym membership model. I mean, no disrespect to what they're doing. It's a phenomenally profitable model for the brokerage, for the broker. It's terrible for the consumer. Uh, there's no value, right? There's no value both ways. And so for us, it's been remain nimble, remain small, which keeps us nimble. I believe the boogeyman's coming every single night when I go to bed because of what I've done the last 10, 12 years and what I've seen in this business. So we'll stay small, but we'll always focus on high IQ, EQ to keep us really, really sharp and competitive. And so as the new thing, technology is our conversation right now, comes, uh, I'm nimble enough to be able to dip and move and go play where need to or create where need to to stay effective in the industry. Got it. And so certainly technology has is impacting the financial it's, – it's impacting everything and so many industries are being disrupted. So do you view technology and real estate as positive or is it just negative? How, how, yeah. how do you look at it? It's, it? it's funny you ask it that way. It's come – it's here. So I only have one way to think about it, right? If it's negative – I sell my business and I go do something else, right? Or it's positive and I find a way to play. And I absolutely see it as a positive because first what it's going to do is it's going to change, right now it already has, it's changed the perceptive value of the real estate agent, right? If I can list my home on Zillow and I can buy, find my home on Zillow, then what do I need an agent for? So now what my job to do is to create a unique value proposition in the marketplace that says you still need an agent. There's something that happens between the time you list and the time you find your home on Zillow and that stuff in the middle is where you need a real estate agent. But what's going to happen is our commission structure is going to change. It's just a fact. Anybody who's got their head buried in the sand right now saying I'm going to get 6% in the Arizona market forever and ever and ever, they're going to die. Um, so the, the commission structure conversation has to change, which means the brokerage model has to change. And in between the consumer getting in line with the broker who changed the commission conversation, there's going to be a whole bunch of death uh, in the business. And that's a good thing, right? It's going to weed out the week and get us back to a service-based conversation where our clients realize, I'm going to use you for what I need you for, and you're going to get paid adequately for that. Technology is, going to, is making that conversation real, and I love the opportunity to go be a part of creating that conversation. Yeah, I appreciate that. Certainly, my industry has, has seen fee compression over the past however many years it's been, and I think it's a net positive for for everybody involved. So, how would you counsel somebody to engage with a realtor? Well, I think the first thing is is that you really they I don't know where this starts, 
but they should, in my opinion, they should not be taking out their kind of T-bar pros and cons thing and going, uh, are they a specialist in the neighborhood? Uh, can they help me find my house? Are they accessible? Are they these kinds of things, right? Like that's kind of the old kind of DIY FAQ conversation you find on Zillow. It's really about uh, a lot of the things we've already talked about. What have you seen in the market? And when we encounter challenges, how are you equipped to handle the challenges we're going to embark upon? What are the challenges? They don't know. They don't know what the challenges are. They think that finding a house and a good deal is the challenge. Mm -hmm. That's not the challenge. The challenge is, you know, do I, uh, the inspection, how's an inspection going to operate? And what does that operate like right now as compared to three years ago or three years? What do you think it's going to be like three years from now? How are you prepared to combat a, 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 a bad appraisal? Um, uh, how are you going to navigate the timelines associated with new lending guidelines? They don't know how to ask these questions yet. And so it would be really digging into uh, to going, I need you to tell me what my biggest challenges are going to be and how we're equipped. And I would love to then be able to go, go find 10 more realtors and ask the questions I gave you and see how equipped they are. And then you'll find your way back to me. Right. I've always said, I think that this, I mean this sincerely. I think that all clients, potential clients should interview their agents, the two or three agents they're going to hire in the room at the same time. Hmm. Right. Don't do an appointment and an appointment and an appointment. Sit them all down together and you're going to find out where the integrity is. You're going to find out where the skill set and the value prop is. You're going to find out, you know, you're going to get to hear when someone says, uh, I have a team and this is how my team operates. And someone says, I don't have a team. Where's the value in that? There may be value both ways. You really get to sort it out kind of all right there in the room. And you might have agents who say, I don't even want to be in that room. And that's probably a pretty good sure. start for you as somebody who's, you know, employing an agent. Um but really, it's getting into – it's a tough thing that we've created in this industry. I say it all the time where it's our job to not have the client understand that middle part of the transaction because it's so stressful. But the problem is by not knowing it, they don't know how to equip themselves for that, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it, it would start with really getting into – Let's forget about finding a home and a good deal and let's focus on the middle part of the deal and knowing you have the right person to handle that part of it for you. Got it. I think that that makes sense and it, it certainly parallels a lot of the different aspects of somebody's financial lives um, yeah. because emotions take over during that process. I, I, sure. I've found the house that I want and now there's a lot of ground to cover before it's actually the house that is mine, right? right. And at least from my perspective, the role of a realtor, the role of a really great agent is to help manage those highs and those lows and to help people not make poor decisions because I'm sure that that happens quite a bit is that people make compromises in the heat of emotion or they just make bad decisions. That's right. Yeah, you're, you're 100%. We always say you want to hire somebody in this business who's busy. Right. It might make you feel like you don't have access as much access to them because they're busy. But those people are busy for a reason. Right. Like that's a good start. Um, they're going they're busy because they guide their clients correctly. They guide them with integrity, which unfortunately is an overused word. But I mean that specific to they're driven by the outcome. They're not driven by the commission. When you're dealing with somebody who's not busy and they're not doing business, they need a paycheck. So what are they ultimately going to be motivated and driven by, right? So um, you're 100% correct. It really is. We are a guide in all things. You brought up divorce at the beginning of, of, uh, of our talk. 
And I mean, I just went through one of those situations and have me having to be capable of navigating the needs for the, the wife and the husband separately now as they embark on their own unique journey. They don't teach you that in real estate school, <laughs> right? They certainly but it's don't. Those kind of things they need to know. And think about the financial outcome for both of those people and how different that is, right? Assuming generalization, right, mm -hmm. uh, of the way that that goes. How important are those net dollars for one person to the other? And how important is speed for one person or another? And how do you navigate that? Yeah. And you could plug in – and d divorce is, is unfortunately – after the 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 death of death of, death of a loved one, one of the most challenging things we go through. But certainly, that happens as well. A spouse dies, and then you need to find somebody to help you sell your home or make decisions about that kind of a thing. Or you want to help find a new, or if if you're, if you're moving to a new city, how do you evaluate all those things? Um, and it seems to me that you would want to, as a consumer have certain things going into the conversation with a potential real estate agent, um, certain non-negotiables, and have those conversations up front. Like, here's what I need from you, Mr. or Mrs. Realtor. Um, do you have advice on what those things might be or questions people should ask before they even start searching? Yes. Um, if somebody's saying I got a non-negotiable, right, uh, with us, I think that, um, for us, it really starts with an understanding of how the communication is going to go. Um, I think it's such an over, it, it's an, it's, oh, there's a lot of oversight in the way that the communication is going to work between parties, understanding that it's going to get tough at some point. So how does the communication work? Communication styles, um, you know, when do we text and email, right? Um, so many people are such technology freaks at this point, but this is such an emotional process as you bring up that, you know, when are we okay to have a phone call? By the way, when is it okay to get knee to knee? It's a forgotten art uh, in business, right? Um, people are so speed oriented now. That actually is one of the things that I think technology has really given a negative effect to our business. It's created speed, which is good. It's created efficiency, which is good, but it's really stripped the knee to knee uh, you know, I can get so much more from watching your body inflection and the way that you move in your face from an emotional conversation than I can from an emoji. Um, you know, and so it's it's one of those things where the non-negotiable should be what is the communication style as outlaid from minute one and what is the upfront contract associated with that between us so that we effectively communicate throughout the process. It's going to be tough at times. That would probably be the number one thing I wish I could course correct in most me to client relationships is a very custom communication process that should be outlined from day one. It's, it's such an over, there's so much oversight in the importance of that part of our relationship as we go through it. Yeah, I think that managing expectations on the front end, you referenced yeah. an upfront contract and that's language for that. It's just, here's how I like to communicate. Here's how I like to make decisions. So if I'm client and I don't necessarily know those things, I need to figure that out. Otherwise, um, the the agent and the client are not going to have as good of a conversation as or good communication as maybe they could be. That's right. So, any other elements that you would counsel people on to have a successful relationship with with their agent? Yeah, you know, I think it's uh, it's after communication, it gets to a distant second, 
just so you know. I mean, especially, you know, there's really two different two different clients. I mean, you have a seller client, you have a buyer client. I'll share with you that a lot of what I'm talking about is on the seller side when, it, when somebody's selling a home. On the buy side, it's really exciting, right? It's... We're making a dream come true. This is something we've been thinking about. We're, we're really looking up in the clouds. It's a dreamy process. The seller side is a very arduous, very stressful process. They're two distinctly different transaction types. And so, um, you know, for me, the, the success of uh, a, a client real estate professional relationship on the seller side is really breaking down almost a flow chart of how things are about to go down um, and really having an understanding of each of those processes from the list process, how to make your home show ready process, which sounds so generic, but it's, I mean, ultimately that's how we sell the product. We're only as good as the product to some degree. Um, so you have all of that, uh, that's going to get stressful. So how do we communicate that process? How's the contract going to work as generalized to market? Um, right. So, you know, right now our market conditions say it's going to be a dogfight. It is not a buyer or seller advantage in our current market. It's a dead heat. So it's it's war. If everyone sells out, meaning the seller takes a little less than they wanted and the buyer takes a little uh, pays a little more than they wanted. Guess how the inspection process is going to go. The seller is not going to want to fix a thing, right. and the buyer is going to want everything fixed. <laughs> and then, if we dog dog fought to get to to our valuation, we may have an appraisal challenge. And then we're past an appraisal challenge, and then we've got lending challenges. So it really is one of those things where I think that the more that the agent and client can sit down and take their time on the front end to really outline we're at this stage of the process now and I've warned you about how the next stage is going to go. As much of that as we can do along the way, it sets us up for success. Awesome stuff. Well, Brian, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Yeah, difference-making tip is ask a lot of questions. That's it. It is something I think – I don't know why my industry – I do not understand why my industry uh, has such a lack of vetting as people make a decision with most cases the largest asset. Why in my industry that the industry professionals are entitled to their friend's largest asset makes no sense to me. Um, and if you're going to work with your friend, ask a lot of questions. It sounds so generic. But don't stop asking questions. And it's like hiring anybody in the corporate world. If it doesn't feel right, listen to your emotional intelligence and do not hire them. Right? Go. You know in the pit of your stomach it's not a good decision. If it's not a good decision at that moment, it's only going to go downhill from there. Ask a lot of questions. I like it. That is great stuff. That definitely gets a come on. Come on. So, Brian, th it. thank you for coming on. Where can, uh, where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Yeah, check us out at northandco.com. Uh, we got a new awesome website at northandco.com. It's all spelled out, N-O-R-T-H-A-N-D-C-O.com. Uh, and then Brian C. North on Instagram and Brian C. North on Facebook uh, is where they can learn about me, us. I'm a very open book. Uh, you know, I tell the real story uh, through our social. It's not uh, the glitz and glam that generally is out there. Uh, and that's us, man. I really appreciate you having me on. I'm glad I can add some value this morning. Awesome. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Brian your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Follow him on Instagram, find him on Facebook, and check out northandco.com. Thank you again, Brian. My pleasure. Have a great one. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we're all in this together.
What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!